Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy podcast number 193. I'm your host and resident wizard, Darren. Support for this podcast is brought to you by our patrons and Twitch subscribers. Your support is ever appreciated and literally keeps this content on the air. Would you like to support the podcast? Become a Twitch sub today at twitch.tv forward slash NGNGTV or find out more about becoming a patron of the podcast at patreon.com forward slash No Guts, No Galaxy. Well, I'm pretty excited about today's podcast. It features my good buddy Joe, or as many of you know him, Apostle OFC. He is a wonderful streamer. He is a Battletech and Mech Warrior fan. He's a Star Wars fan. He's a musician. There's lots to know about Joe. And uh, I finally got the chance to sit down with him and have an extended conversation. Uh, usually we're like, uh, you know, two ships passing in the night at MechCon or whatever. So now is a time to learn more about this wonderful member of the community, Apostle OFC. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And now for something completely different. Four, three, two, Hi. Welcome to the future. Remember, no guts, no galaxy. All right, welcome everybody. I'm very excited for today's podcast. Today's guest, uh, most of you probably know him already or know of him by his Twitch handle. It's Apostle OFC. Um, Apostle is also known as Joe, my buddy Joe. Um, I've known him since like I think 2013. Joe can correct me uh, if I'm wrong here, but that was the uh, MechWarrior Online release party in San Francisco. I guess I knew you a little bit before that because obviously you came up there to see us and, and be part of the whole thing. But uh, anyway, I've known you for a long time and always a super good guy. If you haven't checked him out, you can check out his stream at twitch.tv forward slash apostle underscore OFC. And uh, yeah, Joe, how you doing, man? Welcome. Thanks, man. It's cool to be here. Finally, part of the uh, the NGNG machine I've been following for so long. Uh, you are right. 2013 is when we like officially met. Yeah. But you, we had been playing MechWarrior with you guys and watching your streams prior to that. So. Right. Did you've been a part of the NGNG machine for a long time? Because actually, that at that party, uh, you kind of volunteered. Um, yeah, you guys put us to work. Yeah. Cool. So you were you were NGNG crew yeah. for a day. <laughs> Anyway, uh, super good to have you here. And finally, right? And Thank you, um, man. Yeah. Uh, what I want to do, because you know we know each other. We're obviously when you meet people, you either click or you don't. Sometimes right. maybe it takes work to to become friends with them. But I feel like immediately we clicked, and it was like we were friends forever. Sure. And but but kind of part of that almost made it so I didn't like super get to know you. You know, like. I mean, I know things about you, and we'll get into that, uh, you know, about who Joe is and, and what you do and so forth, but um, we haven't, like, hung out for extended periods or, you know, like, I haven't been down to where you're at or you come visit my house. So, in a in a way, we kind of know each other on a surfacey level. I mean, yeah. it, it goes, obviously, it goes deeper. Uh, you're a good friend, and I care about you, but uh, we just don't know maybe necessarily a lot of details. So, I was uh, excited when I thought about having you on here. So again, uh, thank you for being here. No, man, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, you're you're right in that where, like the the friendship was almost instant, but we haven't had like that. Oh, I'm gonna go hang out with my bro time kind of a thing where like, 
or yeah. you know schoolmates you've grown up together you know what's going on so yeah it's it's usually like during streams or during yeah. uh, metcon when i'm working and you know so just not a ton of time to hang out whereas sure. if like we lived in the same area we'd be going to see star wars together and we'd be you know doing all kinds of stuff yeah going to shows or whatever yeah yeah music dude we gotta you know watch yeah, practice yeah so um i'm gonna cover a couple uh real quick because there's some like things in the news that just happened that I just wanted to bring up okay. and, and, and it may not have anything to do with you. You may not uh, connect with it at all, but um, uh, we just had uh, Kirk Douglas pass. And I don't know if you watched any of uh, his old, 103 years old, man. Yeah, Can you, man. Could you imagine living to 103? No, no. I think mid eighties, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> right? I want to check out there. I know. Like it just, it, 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 it's beyond like comprehension to me living that long. But anyway, um, people, probably know him from like Spartacus or my favorite, like 20,000 leagues under the sea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's gone. You know, it's, it's not like he was my favorite actor of all time, but I, I did think, uh, think I should bring it up and sure. He's, he was a bit before my time, you know, I'm more familiar oh, for with, sure. with his son, Michael yes. Douglas. Yes. And, um, a hundred, just real quick, 103, my significant other's grandfather will be 104 this year. Dude. And he's still he's still pretty with it as far as his mental capacities go. That uh, see, that's the thing. Like yeah. I want I want my mental capacity as long if I lose that I want to go uh, mind body and spirit. Yeah. But what What do you think? This What does he have any secrets? Is there anything? He no, does? man. I mean, he's just he's just still still rocking. You know, like he he's not that's as so mobile cool. as he used to be. Obviously, um, sure. But he'll sit there and tell you about a book he read sixty years ago and be able to explain it to you in great detail or. Dude, tell that's, you tell you stories from his youth. You know that like, is so cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool to sit there across the table from him and just be like, between me and this guy, yeah, is a sixty-year-old man. Like, yeah. there's right. a whole life in between <laughs> us, and we're still hanging out together. It's pretty. Oh, I, I know plenty of people that didn't make it to their sixties. You know, right? Like, yeah, that's insane. So my, I have two younger brothers, and my middle brother was always really interested in old people. Um, he would go and like interview them. This was not for a newspaper or, um, for anything. It was, it was just to go talk to old people and hear their stories. Yeah. A lot of them have cool stories, man. Yeah. And especially if they're together, the stuff people can tell you if, if somebody's lived a hundred years, man. Yeah. Yeah. They've seen a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's one of our deficiencies today as a society is, is forgetting our history and forgetting our past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that's, you know, something old people are worth talking to. I guess that's the message that I'm getting to, you know, yeah, yeah. learn, learn from the people that have been around for a long time and have the experience and have, you know, that, that if you I'm sure you've heard it in movies or shows or whatever, but this has all happened before and it'll all right. happen again, you know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's important to learn from our old people. I, I, I a little bit of a tangent there, but, um, anyway, no, I agree. I agree. Rest in peace. Mr. Douglas. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'll watch uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea with my daughter tonight. I always yeah, love, I always love the song. Um, I can't, I can't. I can't even remember the last time I've seen, I've watched that movie, so. Yeah, well, you know, that was the original, I think that was the original uh, purpose for the submarine ride at Disneyland. Uh, maybe. I don't know that for sure. I mean, I know. Or one of the original. Maybe it maybe, wasn't uh, the first. Right. But uh, that was definitely a popular Disney Movie, and I know you have a lot of experience with Disneyland. I do. Uh, I live pretty <laughs> close, so we go 
as often as we can. We don't we don't have passes, but how often we, do you go? Uh, we at least at least once a year, at the very least. But when we had passes, ooh, seven eight years ago, we were going like every month. Dude, Disneyland is getting so freaking expensive. It's like super, insane. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, you, we can't justify passes anymore, so that's why we don't do it. Yeah, you got to be like a millionaire. Now you did the build a lightsaber, right? I did. My significant other and I, we both did that. Um, so how long did you have to save? <laughs> how, those were pretty costly, right? A couple hundred uh, bucks. Or yeah, something? a couple hundred bucks each. Um, but we had, you know, we knew when we were going. Yeah. So we had started kind of putting some, not yeah. really putting money aside, but just like, hey, be getting be ready cognizant. for it. Yeah, be cognizant of our spending because we're sure. going to be dropping quite a bit. Um, yeah, we spent quite a bit of money those two over those two days. I mean, with hotel <laughs> stay and with food and all the gear and all the stuff we bought. Yeah, we spent crazy. more than we wanted to, but looking back, like we got stuff that we want and we like, and it's it's out on display or it's, you know, I have. On Solo's dice hanging from my car mirror, like you know, nice. stuff we 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 have out and we enjoy it. So it was cool. worth it. Yeah, I think we'll make it back to Star Wars. But the reason it was in my mind, obviously, because we were talking about Disneyland, but also my right. daughter's super into it. I told you she's getting into it. She yeah. just got she just got a lightsaber in the uh, delivered yesterday. She ordered you know one off of Amazon and makes Sweet. all the noises and lights up. But I was telling her about the build a lightsaber, and now she wants one of those, of course. So. I gotta sell my hair or sell something. <laughs> which uh, which lightsaber did she order? Um, you know, one of the it, it connects with a bunch of different pieces, so you can build basically lightsabers. You can, okay, yeah, yeah, I know. You know my and, my little nephew has something similar where you can connect a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and it, it extends, so you can whip it out, and then it, you know it makes the noises, it makes the light. When you're fighting, it makes the sound like the lightsabers are hitting each other. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Excellent. Better than what I had when I was a kid, because that was just a freaking stick. <laughs> and you had to pretend. You had to use your imagination. But I loved it, and I made oh, all totally. the sounds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, coming back to you and who you are, um, your main, uh, as a content creator, your main outlet is Twitch, right? You, you don't YouTube or anything? I don't do YouTube. Uh, everyone's yelling at me to start putting stuff there, because it'll help Twitch grow a little bit. So Yeah. I, I need to figure out how to start editing videos effectively. I mean, I get the idea, just the, the practice and, and skill I don't have yet. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that would be my main content these days. Okay, so that's twitch.tv forward slash apostle underscore OFC. That is and, correct. And OFC does not stand for, of course. It does not. What does it stand for? It's a story. So I told this story on another uh, podcast that I was on not too long, too long ago. And what was funny about that is the hosts of that podcast, I, I know them out off, you know, offline, obviously, but sure. they were trying to guess what it was forever. <laughs> so some of the like old farts club or nice orange fried chicken. Um, <laughs> I forgot some of the other crazier ones, but there was some funny, yeah. some good ones. So that goes way back to oof, early 2000s. Okay. So Counter-Strike 1.0. Six, no, even earlier. Whatever it was before 1.6 really hit. I don't know if it was actual 1.5. It might have been a different version, but right. I was playing Counter Strike uh, on cable modem for the first time. I, I had moved out of my parents' house. Uh, 80, I was 19 years old, 
I was living with a buddy, had cable, and then another friend of ours was like, dude, you guys got to try this game, Counter-Strike. It was like pretty pretty unknown at the time or still newish. Wow. So he's like all about Counter-Strike and all about it. And we're, you know, I had my computer, you know, big CRT monitor, all that stuff. And <laughs> we were playing Counter-Strike like nonstop. Me, my roommate, um, another friend of ours. And it would just be like, go to work, come home, Counter-Strike go to sleep and then it's saying over and over and over and i wasn't like amazing but i was decent i could hold my own um so fast forward a couple years uh or a year i met some friends through like online chatting just happened we are all in the same spot we met up seems we all got along pretty well became a pretty tight-knit group of friends like i still consider those guys brothers today even though they're we're all spread all over the country but we still keep in contact but sure we started, I got them on Counter-Strike. So there's my little group of friends. We're all playing Counter-Strike together and trying to find servers that have good ping and whatever else or just good good places to play. Uh, one of my friends found a server on the East Coast and it was called the East Coast Bloodshed. And it was a, a bunch of dudes out of Maine. They were in Portland, Maine. And we liked playing there, even though we had like a ping disadvantage. The guys were cool. Uh, the game modes were always fun. It was just a good place to play. We started playing there pretty regular. My buddy who found the place, they gave him admin. So then, all right, now this is our server. We're, we're hanging out here all the time. We're going to police it. We're going to be good. Um, they had a few in-house clans that played there. One being Claw. That was like the main group. Um, there was a couple other ones. A feeder. Because uh, they played competitively. So we started trying to get into the competitive scene. Uh, I'll move forward a little bit. Uh, I wasn't known as Apostle yet. I was still playing under like... I was using Twisted by Design because that was like my favorite album from a punk band called Strung Out back then. Right on. So I was playing like under that moniker and then I changed it to Anubis for some reason because I thought it sounded cool. Um, <laughs> so I was playing under Anubis. I don't know what my friends were playing under at the time. But then they kind of started go uh, goofing around with us and they started calling us um, the God-hating Californians because... You know, everybody in California is so loose and whatever. No one, there's no structure there. You know, they would just mess right, with right, us right. and say, you guys are all God-hating out there. So sure. we whimsically changed our names. So I became Apostle. Oh. My friend who found the bloodshed, he changed his name to Seraph. We had Heresy, a Cleric, Epiphany, and Prophet. I think, and well, no, Prophet comes later, uh, okay. and Saint. So those were the original five of us. Saint kind of fell off quickly. So the original five are myself, Heresy, Seraph, Epiphany, and Cleric. Old school. So we were all playing together, and they, you know, we all eventually got into Claw. I won't go through all that, but we all eventually became Claw. So you know, back in the day, there was your tag, your name, and that was it. Yep. But we wanted to distinguish ourselves as, oh, that's the California crew. Everybody knows that if you see those guys in there, they're all playing together, and they're all friends. So we came up with dot OFC at the end of our name. Right. And what OFC stands for is Order of the Fallen Cross because we figured it was fitting to the nickname they gave us. It's not serious. It's just something that of we course. took on. And it's all in jest. It has stuck since 2002. I've Every game moniker I ever make is always going to have OFC under it, after it or whatever. I'm, I'm pretty much Apostle OFC for the rest of my life. Now, like, I, I have no room to make fun of names at all. Uh, sure. Obviously, I picked Bombadil. 
Um, so, uh, but what's cool what I, when you're describing all that is I was thinking about gaming communities, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. As compared to today. Also, I think it has to do with us in our age, perhaps. Yeah. But back then, man, I could find, you know, guilds or, or units or whatever and, and make friends so easily. Yeah. Uh, and, and they would be, they would become like friends for life, man. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I find it harder these days. I don't know about you. Uh, maybe it might be the age thing. You're just, you, you think you find it harder. Like I've met, I've met guys that I've played with. Well, we met each other, right? <laughs> sure. But I've met even recent times, like guys that I'm playing yeah. with now, like, like t I didn't meet, yeah, him, uh, Jib Fu and yeah. Tregtronics. I didn't meet them until like a year or two ago. And now they're like yeah. part of my, my, my gaming group, you know, where yeah. or I'm part of their group first, basically. I think a, a big part of it too was when I was younger. I just didn't have a lot of responsibilities, so I could that's, just g yeah. game constantly. That and, totally helps. Yeah. But, well, so yeah, part that's of the story of OFC. Yeah, basically gaming history. Um, very cool. Now, okay, I, I mentioned uh, people can find you at your Twitch channel. Um, what is your? Uh, I know you have a Twitter account as well. But I'm How also at at Apostle underscore OFC on Twitter. Cool. So there's the info if you guys want to check them out and uh, learn who Apostle is and watch some of the content that he creates. I totally recommend that you do. I know that you play, um, well, recently you picked up some Elite Dangerous. Yep. You're playing um, Mech 5 still yep. a little bit. What uh, what else, What kind of games do you like and what can people expect to see you doing if they come check you out? So lately it's going to be, I think it's just going to be space stuff. Like I am way hooked on Elite Dangerous um, you, after trying it a couple years ago and it just didn't really stick. But this time, like it's got its hooks in me, and like I'm, I'm eating, breathing, sleeping, elite dangerous. Um, Dude, that that is such a good feeling as a gamer when you find I like, a game, yeah. <laughs> and it's fun and it's engaging, and even yeah. doing nothing. Like last night, I streamed it, and mm -hmm. I was learning stuff as I'm like as I'm go every each time I play, I'm learning something, and I'm finding that the old heads or the or the hardcore <coughs> community is very helpful. Yeah, they're an amazing community. Very similar, in my opinion, to the Mech Warrior community because it tends to be, it's not always the case, there's always exceptions, but it tends to sure. be a little bit of older crowd, more mature, a little bit more patient because of the type of game that it is. It's not right. like a Counter-Strike or, you know, whatever, uh, adrenaline rush type game. It's it's more of a slow-paced um, game. So, yeah, extremely helpful community. Yeah. And, I, and I was watching you, you were learning uh, mining last night, right? Well, I I was learning more of the planetary stuff last night, how to find oh, right, right, right. on the planets. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then to to follow up on your question, what kind of games do I like? I mean, everybody mm -hmm. likes a good shooter. It's it's fun to sure. play it, even if you're not great at it. Um, Just and me I think, and every shooter. I think playing against other humans is compelling. Like, yeah, it's you against somebody else battling. Um, story driven games. If I'm not really a fan of games on rails anymore, like I really used that's that's all there used to be was these single player story driven games. But I think we live in such an era now where it's like we're engaged by these huge open sandboxes where you can go do whatever you want. Oh, for sure. And having worked on a couple MMOs in my history, um, I'm more drawn towards just the massive multiplayer realm where player interaction almost drives the gameplay. EVE Online is a big example of that. Right. Um, I was heavy into PvP yep. in EVE Online, and that, like, there was no other way to play that game, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I played it for five years. I played it from 2003 to 2008.
Um, and absolutely, once you, you know, it took me months, months to even remotely wrap my head around that game sure. and, th and then get into PvP. But once I found a, you know, a unit or a corp and, uh, you know, we moved to zero zero, goodbye life, man. Yeah, really. <laughs> I've played that game off and on since 06. Yeah. And I haven't touched it in a while. Um, maybe over a year. It, My girlfriend kind of, laughs at me sometimes, like, when are you going to play? start playing EVE again? Because I always say I'm never going back. Careful what you ask for, right? I say I'm never going back, and then she laughs. But then now I'm playing this, Elite Ooh. Dangerous, and she, some, she'll joke with me. She, like, she'll come and stream and be like, man, EVE looks way different. This, this is EVE <laughs> Online, right? You know, just giving me crap, so... I think uh, Elite Dangerous might become a gateway drug to other space games. Now, the the thing with, you know, that's why I said you got to be careful what you wish for. I can't right. play EVE casually. Like, I, no, I just you can't. can't. You can't. I mean, I can't. Just being no. from the, the PvP background that I had, I, I can't just... For that's sure. not a That's not a casual game. Whereas Elite right now, and I feel like in the near future, we'll still stay pretty casual until we figure out exactly what we're doing and then we'll have, you know, higher loftier goals. Yeah, I don't think it's going to uh, ever become the same type of um, commitment that EVE Online was though because obviously with EVE Online, shit could happen when you're not playing and then you're getting texts or, or emails yeah. from your, you gotta get on and defend or whatever. Dude, it's you know? four in the morning. I know, yeah. but our station's about to go down, <laughs> but I don't care that bad. Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, with responsibilities, jobs, families, whatever. Yeah. Who it's a, I just, I stay clear. Now you say you don't like the story driven stuff as much. Um, what about story driven stuff? That's also fairly open world. Like for example, Witcher three or the upcoming, uh, uh, cyberpunk 2077. Do you have any interest in those type of games that you don't have to be necessarily on rails at all? So I like to think I do. And then a few, I don't know, some, some hours in, I just lose, I lose interest hard. Like interesting fallout, like fallout four. I was all yeah. about it. I was ready to play it. And then I just, as soon as this, it didn't seem like you gave a crap about the main story. Like there's all this other side stuff to do. I'm just like, ah, I, I, I can't, I can't stay engaged. And then Witcher three, I loved the first little bit. Once I discovered Gwent, the rest of the game <laughs> could just go away. And I was only worried about collecting Gwent cards <laughs> and going and challenging everybody. So dude, I, I like to think Gwent. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think I like like single player RPG yeah. games, but I just, I don't know. They don't, they don't hold me like, they should, mm -hmm. and I don't know why that is. Like, I think Red Dead Redemption is probably the only, the only caveat to that because that first Red Dead Redemption is probably my one of my all to, my top three games, top five games. The sound design alone is what really got me because I'm kind of an audiophile, so like mm -hmm. I really enjoy that. I mean, that's why I got into the gaming industry, which we haven't talked about yet. But right, we'll get there. Um, I wanted to do sound and music, sound design and or music that's what i really wanted to do and i was just you know met with oh you, you know this guy's been here longer or we don't have a spot or just whatever um, yeah it's a tough industry but break into yeah uh, if the game has a good soundtrack like i can overlook some things that may be like nagging quality of life but so what was that uh recent space game that had a freaking kick-ass soundtrack it was like uh rebels maybe rebel something rebel galaxy oh did you like that soundtrack uh i didn't play that enough i have it i just haven't really dove deep yet but yeah that one's a pretty fun game yeah um to, to finally 
answer the question like what will they what games will people see when they come to my channel yep it was pure mech warrior online if you remember when i yes, started I streaming that was all i was doing because i figured i kind of had a foothold in that community i liked pretty much everybody who was streaming that game i was greatly looking forward to meeting everyone at MechCon, and i'm like i need to I need to get in with these guys and like these are these are the people that I support. Hopefully I can get some support back and it was great. It was awesome. And then I was like, okay, I want to change it up. I want to play some other stuff cuz I you can only play MechWarrior online. To me, I'm not it's not a it's not a dig or it's not anybody who, who likes playing it every night. I can't play it every night. And I was trying to really find my find my way and I, you know, I talked to a few experienced streamers and they're like, hey, you know, you're going to take a hit when you go variety. That's just how it is. Don't freak out. But I freaked out anyway. You know, I'm like, ah, no <laughs> one's watching me. Why am I even doing this? You know, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I've definitely changed my mentality about that. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to play whatever. Uh, yeah. I'm going to try to play it in blocks. So people who want to watch that, at least they'll they'll get a little consistency. Um, I try to stay very active on Twitter to let people know what I'll be playing that day. Right. That way there's no surprises or whatever. Like I want to at least give you a heads up and give you the choice. Yeah, I, um, have, I have noticed you've been more active on Twitter, which has been awesome because, yeah. you know, it does give people a heads up, the people that follow. Um, now, when you first started streaming, I remember asking you, are you doing this to become a successful streamer? Or are you doing it uh, just for fun? And you mentioned just for fun. Um, but it, even when you're doing that, the you still want to put you still want to put stuff in you still want to get yeah. a return you know what i mean like of course at least me and that can and you be... want to see your numbers grow right it's like right. Uh, natural yeah yeah not everybody i don't think thinks that way but it could yeah. be just my background little... as like a musician like oh yeah. why am i wasting my time in this band if no one's coming to play like oh man the... i had a lot of those gigs though sure <laughs> where it was like our friends and family were the only ones in the yeah audience. i've i've played to empty clubs where just the bands that were on tour together we were the yeah. only ones playing together so yeah and then also i think streaming really harkens back to uh, you know i don't i don't know if it, if it was this way for you but when i was a kid and we'd go to the arcade um you know you'd have your friends hanging out watching so you'd have like three or four friends watching you play yeah yeah they had their quarters lined up and it was their turn and then you'd watch them or whatever. Yeah, I feel totally. like I feel like Twitch is an extension of that. Um, but now these days when you've got people streaming to like 40, 50, 100,000 people, um, it's insane, number one. But also it, it makes you want some of those numbers, huh? Yeah, yeah. And I, I will, you know, I'll readily uh, um, admit that like my content's not at that level, but it'd be nice to, you know, I'm not going to lie and say, oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters to an extent, right? But... I don't know that your content's not at that level. It, it the the problem really is exposure. Um, you know, and like I, I think you're a great streamer. I enjoy well, watching. Thanks, I I enjoy hanging out in your channel and talking. And I know streamers that are bigger, much bigger. That I feel like if they were to start today, they wouldn't make it. You know, hmm. the reason that they exist is because they started way back in the beginning, sure. and they and they built a huge audience. They got the exposure. And so now they're on top and it's hard to kind of topple those people. Not that I would want to topple anybody. Right, uh, right. You know, at all. I, everybody deserves their, their chance and their shot. But I think it's a totally different landscape today than it was like five years ago as far as starting off streaming or doing YouTube or anything like that. Yeah, I don't want to like, I'm not trying to turning it, turn it into my job. Right. But like, just hypothetically, let's say I get, you know, crazy raid and then over 400 people are starting to tune in every night and people are subbing and all this shit's cra mm -hmm. crazily happening. Like I'll, I'll, 
I would take it as it as it came, obviously, but that's You're not, not going to turn people away. Correct, but that's <laughs> not my end goal is to be a, a daily, you know, sure. streamer, a full-time streamer. Well, we'll talk about your job and your jobs because you mentioned that you previously were at a game developer, which obviously I know. Um, yeah. But before we get to employment and that kind of thing, and um, what I'd love to do, because actually I don't know this, is okay. just learn about you, like, you know, where you grew up and what okay. growing up was like and, you know, like, where were you born? I was born up in the mountains of Colorado. Probably most people don't know that. I don't know anything about you as far as your okay. your yeah. past life. So tell me, you know, where you grew up, what, what was your life like, et cetera? Okay. So I I am born and raised in San Diego, California. No and I, shit. And I still live here today. Wow, dude. Um, Yeah, I, I tell people that and they go, there's not many of you guys left, and I go really like. I feel feels... like everybody I know who is from here is still here. Like, oh really? I don't know. Maybe it's because it's I run with the locals, but California seems like one of those states where everybody moves to or is moving out of. I it's I don't know people that are like generational Californians. You know, sure. although I was, I was you know I although I did was born in Colorado, right. moved to, to um, California when I was two years old, and so I knew tons of people that were there forever but anyway born and raised in san diego still in san diego and that's still amazing. here yep yep do you, i am do you, a do you love san diego i don't see myself leaving i don't what do you like, love about san diego just the weather for one um just i don't know i don't know what it is that i love about the city but i just this is my city like i love this city like that's awesome dude i can't see myself living anywhere else unless i had to yeah um and there's a few a few things that would make that happen but um right i grew up in the most southwesterly city in the continental u.s imperial beach wow uh i went to high school there uh single mom you know i didn't we didn't have it like super rough but it wasn't like we didn't have a tv for a long time when i was growing up mm-hmm. um mom, did, you, did you know your dad in any not, way not until i was six years old wow so I met him when I was six. Uh, I started hanging out with him like every other week. Um, my mom, you know, basically said, hey, when we when we had you, we, you were planned. And then my your dad didn't want to grow up. So I told him to kick rocks. And <laughs> that wow. was it. Yeah. Do you um, have any siblings? I have a half sister um, from my father. She's 10 years younger than me. And she lives in New York State. Gotcha. And, and then she has a my niece and my nephew there. You have a relationship still with your father today, or is yeah, yeah, we're we're like buddies. Like it's it's definitely not father son to the yeah. extent. I mean, it is. Like I know he's my dad, and you know I call him dad right. and all that stuff. But um, my stepdad's more, you know, my father figure as far as growing up was because he huh. was in the house. You know, my mom met him when I was like eight, and he's still, you know, he's been around the whole time. Cool man. And he's the one who like taught me how to like work on work on things and be good with my hands and tools and stuff. And then my father is the one who I took all my musical inspiration from. So. Oh, I was just gonna ask that where you got the uh, yeah your yeah. Music so my gifts dad, are... my dad's a musician. My mom also played music in high school. Nice. So, yeah. so, so it's in the blood, if you say you know. And your mom's still around as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. She and my stepfather both live in IB in the house I grew up in. Still, so. Damn, dude. So now, um, when. So growing up in San Diego, what yeah. was well? First of all, you know I grew up in, in Northern California, so I okay. kind of have a, a an idea of what it was like. Um, and also, I want to point out if anybody's thinking, "Ooh, Southern California," there's a I totally agree in regards to L.A. 
but yeah, it's a, not LA. It's, no. There's a huge difference between LA yeah. and San LA Diego. Can, LA can suck it. Yeah, I mean, and I lived in San Diego for a year. Um, absolutely beautiful and a, a great city. Um, so what was it like growing up for you? Did, were you, did you hang out at the beach a lot? Were you I did. a surfer? Were you um, a geek? What was your... So the first house, when we, when we moved to, I lived in a little place called North Park. You might know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was young, young. And then we yeah. moved to Imperial Beach when I was about six. Um, we were about three blocks from the beach. Uh, and it was like, you know, school, normal, you know, elementary school. And then skateboarding out there with my buddies, riding bikes or whatever. Uh, played, you know, I did all the little kid stuff, played little league. I was in school band. Um, but I was at the beach a lot. And then especially yeah. in high school, I was at the beach almost every day. I was bodyboarding every day. Dude. Uh, um, California. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I mean, to the point where I almost didn't graduate high school cause I was at the beach so much. <laughs> I was, uh, I, you know, gr- growing up in Santa Cruz, California, I was a total surfer as well. Yeah. So I lived at the beach. Um, where did you pick up music? We'll get into your music uh, for sure. I want to hear more about okay. it. Like wh- where, where did uh, you, where did both, it start? Both your parents had it in yeah, their yeah. blood, yeah, so yeah. you obviously had it in your blood. What was that switch where you're like, oh, I want to do music? All right, so fourth grade, um, there was like a music class. Like we all went to this auditorium thing, and the music teacher was there and was talking about the music program. And it was the the name of the district was like South Bay Union. So this was the South Bay Union music program, and. I remember going to that and I saw the music instruments and I was like, oh yeah, you know, my, I remember, you know, I was, so fourth grade, you're what? You're like eight years old, maybe seven, something no, like you, that. No, my daughter's nine and she's in third grade. So you're probably 10. No, I feel like I was 10 in fifth grade. Oh really? Yeah. Cause that was 1990 that. and I was, yeah. Okay. So yeah. So it, I was like, so you were I eight was or like nine. eight or nine years old and I remember going home and telling my mom about it and she's like well look you know like you your dad and i you know we we played instruments in high school and you could play one of those or something and i was like all right cool i want to do drums you know every little kid wants to do drums they want to hit stuff it's fun animal from the muppets totally so i went the next day i'm like all right i'm gonna be drummer and like three kids had (laughs) drumsticks already and i was like wait wait a minute what they didn't say to bring anything right so (laughs) They're like, well, all the drums, I go, I, I want to be drums. And I go, oh, all the drums are spoken for. And what else do you want to try? And I go, well, that one looks fun. Trombone, the slidey thing. Oh, really? So if well, any of you guys do watch my Twitch channel and we talk about trombones, that's that's a whole funny thing that happened at Metcon. So we'll get into that too. But Cool. So I started playing trombone in in fourth grade, age, eight, age eight or nine, something like that. Eight, I was eight years old. So it was, it was fourth grade, yeah. You were preparing yourself for the ska Third grade, movement. something like that. Something like that. I was in a ska band too in high school, but I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> of play, course, I didn't play trombone in that band. Okay. Um, oddly you played, enough, you played bass. I no, played bass in that band. So now, what do you remember when you went to that musical event and something piqued your interest? Interest was it just music in general, or did you see somebody up on stage with a particular instrument? Was it the drummer that made you get excited about it, or you don't? No, remember? it was just it was just music in general because like. Okay. Growing up, mom was always playing music. Not playing, yeah. but there was always music on. Like sure. Every, everywhere music I was. Music appreciation. Sure. Yeah. And like I can still remember, you know, I can still recall like looking through my mom's uh, vinyl collection back Dude, then. Dude, right. And I, can, I can picture album covers. I don't, I don't know. Absolutely. The bands or whatever, but I can picture the covers still. So 
Yeah, um, it was just a music appreciation thing, and I was like, I want to play music too. And drums didn't get it, so trombone was it. And I played trombone up until age 16. Uh, Did you say 16? Yeah, 16. I played concert band in elementary school. That's pretty much all there is. Then middle school, I did concert band and marching band. And then in middle school at age 13, I wanted to play bass because I knew my dad played bass guitar. And I heard Tommy the Cat by Primus. And my dad goes, that's the bass. I go, I want to do that. (laughs) So I got my first bass on my 13th birthday. And I still have it. Wow, dude. Yeah. So, are you now would are you, would you consider yourself still proficient in trombone? No, not at all. I mean, I can still read music. Right. Um, but I and I could I bet I could still get some notes out of it, but I'd have to like start I'd have to start all over. Sure, sure. So, is your best in- instrument your most proficient today bass? Cuz I know you it'd are be, yeah. somewhat multi-instrumental, right? It'd be ba- no, not really. I mean, I don't consider myself as far okay. as like electronic music, I mean, Right. You just have to have keyboard knowledge and you're pretty good there as far as note uh, right. chord composition. But um, I'd say, yeah, bass is my strongest instrument, even though I don't play it as often as I should. And I've seen videos of you playing bass. I have heard sure. you playing bass. You're yeah. a phenomenal bass player. Thank you. Um, do you. Can you play some Primus tunes? Like, I can you... play. Yeah. Like, yeah. so the very, so when I got my bass, I that summer locked myself in my bedroom not literally but you know right that that's the phrase uh and the frizzle fry album i had one of those cd players where you could do that a b repeat oh yeah yeah and i would just lock in on a section and go okay i gotta learn that section and then i would just learn it by ear i feel like my ear is pretty good yeah um and then i would so i'd lock that section down and i would move on to the next section so i learned pretty much every single song except for a couple things that i just couldn't make out what he was doing um that was that was the first like all right that's i'm gonna learn how to play and then i've been in metal bands mostly since then aside from the ska band that i was in right so that that was gonna be my next question is okay. what what your musical tastes are so i of course i know that you're totally into metal i'm into metal yeah can you tell me some of the the bands and artists you like these days these okay so like my my top three bands right now um gojira is always going to be up there they're just one of the heaviest bands I've ever heard. Uh, a good friend of mine put me onto those guys like I don't know, maybe a decade ago, and I was just like, everything they come out with, I'm into it. Cool. Um, I've been going back and listening to some older like Norma Jean stuff. Yeah. Um, and their new their their two newest records are such a a leap in evolution with their sound and their style, and I. I know a lot of the old Norma Jean heads are like, ah, he sings too much now, and this is too, like, it's too sing-songy or whatever, but it's it shows so, <laughs> much, out. so, so much growth. Like, yeah. there's so much more thought going into these songs, and it's just like, dude, how can you hear that and say it sucks? I don't know. Um, and... I mean, I, I always, I'm always going to have love for Earth, Wind, and Fire. I mean, that's like nice. one, of my, one of my tops. That's out of left field. It's well because they had horn players. Their bass yep. player was amazing. The vocals yeah. are are amazing. It's um, funny with with artists like that. Yeah. I think a lot of people these days. I don't. I hate using the, the the phrase kids these days. Sure. But you know, I'm older, so I guess I mean that. But like, you don't 
realize how much of the modern music you listen to is directly influenced or indirectly influenced by some of these bands who had incredible either song writing abilities or yeah. you know where they draw their music from it's 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 like everything else i was saying earlier we don't know our history um and that totally translates to music as well it's it, you you know when you see i love seeing a young person discover older music the stuff that's not cool right now yeah but th but then they discover something and they're like i really appreciate this because of this or that or whatever thing that they're into today and they can make that connection it's always such a fun thing for me yeah yeah i so, yeah i get that and so, i grew up with older stuff so it was already kind of there like my mom was already playing you know old old rock and roll that gave birth to the metal like totally did. you know so i don't know i just i'm all over them i know people say i like everything yeah. Uh I definitely draw influences from a lot of different stuff, even electronic music. I can I can honestly say like there are some old country artists that I kind of like the songs, but like I don't like country music, you know, that's not my that's not my thing. What do they what do they call so I'm totally down with old school country. Not that like, I listen to it on a regular basis. Sure, sure, sure. But I totally have an appreciation for old school. I don't like modern country yeah it's like it's too it's too just not i don't know it doesn't it's cookie cutter like it. to me it's just yeah, yeah. A, it's it, like almost all of them are the same to some extent yeah. you know i'm sure people will disagree and that's totally fine it's subjective enjoy whatever you listen to um you know my tastes tend to because if you watch my streams they tend to be like 80s metal yeah you're a hair metal guy for sure. <laughs> i i feel like uh probably for a bass player some of the most boring music in the world you know it's just like dum -dum 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 some of it sure -dum -dum -dum. but there are some solid <laughs> yes there are solid bass players out of that era that sure. just are in the pocket and yep. they are the most solid dudes ever yep um yeah i so when I don't, there's like stuff that I don't own, but if I hear it, I'm into it, but yeah. I don't own it. But my library mostly, and my girlfriend will make fun of me at this too. She's like, all you ever do is listen. So most <laughs> of my stuff is metal. Um, I like a lot of electronic stuff, like the big synth wave movement that happened about five, seven years ago, and it's still yeah. going pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I even got in on that trying to, to compose some of that stuff. What about EDM and stuff? Uh, not really EDM as much, like. To me, that's to me. Okay, subjectively, yep, 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 it's yep. it's one long song, and I'm I could be done. I could be anywhere else than, <laughs> other than listening to that stuff. But there are some tracks that I'm like, oh, that's pretty neat sounding. Yeah. I like the I like the twist they did on that or whatever. But right when it's just I, that constant four on the floor, I'm like, yeah, I'm over this like pretty quickly. But. I I saw you watching in your stream. I think it was last night. Um, what's the guy's name? Not Cedric the Entertainer, but that's Tyler the, Tyler yeah. the Creator. <laughs> There you go. Interesting stuff. Yeah, like I try, you know, I watch a lot of Saturday Night Live, so I, sure. I get I get uh, exposed to you know some of the newer artists on there. Um, I I I can see that guy has talent. I just yeah. haven't fully appreciated it yet. Um, but it's always fun to see new music. I was talking to Sean Colton, the composer and and sound guy at uh, Piranha, and we were talking about you know the difference between when we grew up and making it music and today, and I think there's pros and cons. Back in the day, I feel like the entry to being a professional musician was a lot more difficult. You had to like, you know, you, I'm sure you've heard the term 10,000 hours to become a master at anything. You need to put yep. 10,000 hours into it. Yep. Today, that can kind of be bypassed with, you know, social media, people becoming Instagram stars or YouTube stars. And there's 
super talented people. Like, for example, that little girl you were playing last night. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. Holy cow, man. Like that, she's going to have a absolute career as a bass player if she wants it right no yeah, no doubt about it i think she's more a drummer but like most of her videos are her drumming oh really yeah she's a drummer and she's that good at bass yeah and oh. but i was uh, and the, but like to counter that i was kind of joking around but at the same time i'm I being a little you, serious yeah. where i'm like the only reason why this is wow is because she's a little kid. Like, if you were watching some 30-year-old dude play this, you'd be like, so what? I can do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, But isn't that enough? I get. Like, I get. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't make... I wouldn't get six million views if I did that exact thing. No, of thing, course. You know what but I'm think, saying? But think, but think of if she's there now. Think about yeah. where she'll be when she's 20. No, that, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just trying, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Like, No, I understand. The only so reason why this is fun or exciting is because it's a, because cool it's a little girl yeah um would you but, pay to go watch some dude do this at balboa park no no, no obviously <laughs> no um but but what i was getting at is that it's a very different landscape and there's all kinds of different ways for people to get into the to the industry and get into music and uh get exposure and it's it's uh definitely an interesting landscape out there what i, I think what i'm ultimately saying is that i feel like and i'm again this isn't a blanket statement i'm not trying to paint with a huge brush or anything like that but to me and i think also this comes across as an old person thing um i feel like that when people had to put in the hours um overall you were getting musicians better equipped for being a professional musician could play everything could you know were amazing uh artists and I feel like today, and and it might be my taste in music and so forth, um, we're not getting as many super talented songwriting, you know, artists like we used to. Tell yeah, me I'm wrong. Saying. Tell me I I'm get wrong. What you, I get what you're saying because back then it was like only only the the cream would rise to the top, right? Right. Yeah. Now, since everyone's accessibility is so much more. Yeah, everything's getting through. So it's like it's hard to see. you got to sift through more stuff to find the quality. Mm. So like anybody can literally produce songs in their bedroom now. It's it's yeah. amazing, but you just there's more shit and you yes. got to find you got to find the but the the good stuff is still there. There's just more debris a, in the way. You need a filter, which is often uh people I know, you know, will say, "Hey, check this." You know, right. like I I can totally appreciate uh what's her name? Billie Eilish? Is that sure. how you, yeah. yeah. Like I can totally appreciate some of these new artists. Um but uh yeah, yeah anyway. I see these people singing, I'm like, "Man, that person can sing." Not my style of music, but they're yes. a talented vocalist. You know, yeah. I, I'll give I I'm not I'm not a hater. I will give credit where credit's due. Cool. But, so now, if anybody want, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no. That. I was just gonna just to fa finish it off. Just like yeah, yeah. like you were saying, there's there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot more to consume now. So you have Absolutely. to be a little more diligent if you want to find the quality that you are personally looking for. Now, if anybody wants to hear you play, is there any way for them to hear you? Um, I don't know how much stuff is still posted. Like, I would have to put together a list. I would have to sift through um youtube and find live performances and there's maybe. not much out there yeah i mean well, there maybe. is stuff out there like i was in a touring band um what was the name of your band the band i toured with the name of the band was media lab okay when we, what years that was 2000 okay so i toured with them in 2005 because their bass player couldn't tour cool and then after we got back, he, you know, I stepped back into his role. I started yeah. looking for another group. And then about a year later, they're like, hey, 
dude, quit. You know, you you got the job if you want it. So I was in that band from 2006 to 2009 ish. Cool. Um, we toured with a band that is still playing today, and they're pretty big as far as I'm aware. Um, in this moment, metal right band, uh, female fronted metal band who we toured with them the summer before they just blew the fuck up. Of course, man. And I was like, damn it, <laughs> like. We we played with those guys. We shared tiny little stages with them, and you know they were normal, cool people. And I haven't talked to you, you know anybody in that band for years, but like I remember the two that are still there. They're very nice. They treated us very great. Um, now was your band all piling in the in a van together? And we were all piling in a big uh, Yukon XL with a trailer and just going. Right on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the stuff I used to dream about when I was younger. I wanted that so bad, but uh, I don't know if I could do the van thing anymore. No, I definitely can't. <laughs> it's a hell of a life. Yeah, uh, it's it's just, yeah, it's too much. Okay, so um, right on with the music, and maybe I know that uh, your significant other is trying to prod you a little bit to get back into it, so maybe yeah. we'll hear some future music some new from, stuff. Yeah, from yeah. you. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, my wife just uh, brought in my old guitar, um, I had it in my, in some storage in an, in an old office here at the house and I'm, I, I look at it and I think about it. I'd love to get some music back in my life again. Um, maybe we'll play in a band together someday. Maybe. Yeah. Right. It's the, the internet <laughs> makes all things happen. Right. Um, so now what else do you do? I know, do you want to explain at all what your job is or do you want to keep that? Uh, on the um, I can talk about a little bit. I mean, I can't, I mm -hmm. work for a a big defense contractor. Uh, I'm kind of like a glorified IT position. Right. Uh, the bare minimum is we we work with the submarine Navy here in San Diego. Dude, that's so cool. That's what I wanted to get at. And, Submarines. Yeah. And my, my primary job is to manage and maintain what's called a ship's control trainer. And it's basically a room mocked up about thirds of the control room on a 688 fast attack submarine. Is and that it's the all, LA class? It's the Los Angeles class, yeah, 688. Um, and it's on a gimbaled platform, and they essentially drive it. That is crazy. I just, yesterday when I was streaming, had somebody that uh, is, is um, in the Navy uh, stationed on a LA class submarine okay. in my chat. Excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm you know I'm super into boats and the ocean. Um, always loved submarines, and so when I heard you were working on submarines a couple years ago or whatever, thought that was pretty dang awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I like my job. So basically, it's like a giant simulator. That's what exactly what it is. Like the best submarine game you could ever have. The best submarine game you could play. <laughs> That's so it, cool, it'll man. it'll crank it'll crank. We can get 45 degree pitch angles on it and 30 degree roll angles on it. Oh my god, dude, that must. So be, it moves. Have you been able to uh, like be in there during an actual? Yeah, I, I have to test it every day that they're gonna have a training session, so I have to drive it. Damn, dude. Yeah. That's freaking cool. It's 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 neat. Yeah. There's, so there's obvious for people who don't know. There's a, a big navy base in San Diego. I used to. Um, I don't know if they do it anymore, but they used to rent little motorboats, like just you know, little tiny, like three people motorboats or whatever, um, in the bay there. And I used to kind of putt around the bay. And uh, one time got way too close to a um, an aircraft carrier, and I they <laughs> they like did their horn and then got yep. a got on a megahorn to me and basically told me to get the fuck away. Yep. 
uh, which was a scary. I wasn't. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but it was the first time I'd gotten too close to any kind of military thing. So after sure, that, sure. I learned the hard way. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I used to love to just sit out there and watch all the planes and helicopters taking off and landing and the different boats. And it's a it's a totally cool yeah, bay it's there. Cool. I've worked I've worked on military equipment since like I was like nineteen with various companies. That's way um, cool, man. I've been on a bunch of surface ships. I've worked. Yeah, it's. I have a, a, a pretty deep work history, just constantly yeah. changing jobs, trying to get better opportunities. Did you ever think about joining the Navy? Never did. Um, I think when I was like 18 or 19, when I graduated and I was kind of being lazy about finding work, I thought about it like, oh, I could just do it for four years, get some money for school. Right. And then, you know, do go see some cool stuff, you know, whatever, work on cool stuff. See and the then, world, kid. Yeah, I didn't really see it that way. I was just like, I could learn how to do some cool stuff and then right. get out get out and make something of myself but i didn't and then 9-11 happened and i was like oh i'm kind of glad i didn't go do right. that right but right right hats well, off hats off to all the guys that do do that and the guys that i work with every day um, absolutely man yeah and anybody listening if you're in the service man thank you for your, uh, your service, for sure. Now, you also mentioned that you dabbled a little bit in game dev. Do you want to tell me what happened there? Okay, so let's, don't get ahead of yourself. I didn't game dev at all. <laughs> I was a well, quality assurance technician. You worked for a developer. Worked for, I worked for two different developers. Okay, so what's, um, the, what's that story? So, 2009, um, I was looking, I was tired of doing construction, and I had a friend who worked for SOE, which is Sony Online Entertainment, which no longer exists. They are now Daybreak. Um, <clears throat> didn't, didn't they do Star Wars Galaxies? They did. Yep. That was before Among I other worked. things. Yeah, that was before I worked there. But yeah, that Star Wars Galaxies is still probably my favorite MMO that I've ever played because Except I played it before it, it turned Until they trash. made the change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there are a million <laughs> stories. That, you know, everybody, everybody loved it before it. Then they just effed it up. Yeah, and like, I've had like I've had non or unrecreatable. I don't know if that's the right word, but we'll make it one. I've had experiences in that MMO that I've never been able to recreate in another one. Like there's just just the community, the things we were doing, the fact that it was Star Wars, and I'm a pretty avid Star Wars fan. Um, you think? Yeah, just a little bit. Um, if oh, that yeah. if that game were to come out today, we'll get back to your the, who you worked for. If that sure. game were to come out today. With today's technology, do you think you'd be as addicted to it? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I wish they would. Yeah, it's not. No, I know. I don't even okay. think about it. <laughs> okay, so so what was your entry into this? So Sony Online. Sony Online Entertainment was ramping up. Uh, they needed a bunch of QA testers for a browser game they were putting out called Free Realms, and it was geared towards kids, and it was. To directly compete with a game called Club Penguin. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you I haven't. have not. Okay, that's like late 2000s. So Club gotcha. Penguin was this browser game where kids were just addicted to it and getting money from their parents to buy stuff and just right. whatever. It was it was crushing it, right? So our fearless leader, who will remain nameless at this time, if you guys know who it is, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> and you know that he's had a lot of gaming blunders that don't make up for the fact that he created EverQuest. Oh, he can't. Yeah, he, he can't. He can't ride that forever. Okay, like he just was can't. it. Was it Smedley? It was John Smedley. Yeah, he thought 
oh, we need to do this. This is what's happening. But that wave right. had already broken. That wave had crested and broken, and we were now jumping into the whitewash trying to pick it up. Right. I when I worked at SOE, I came across some test docs of an unnamed an un, unnamed project um, that was potentially going to be the next game, and it lined up with the blow up of survival. So it would have been one of the firsts of oh, that genre, man. and that would have been the freaking golden goose, man. That would have been it. Right. But they've shelved it because the story is, I don't know this for a fact, but people who worked there were like, oh, because Smed's nephew liked the Free Realms demo, so that's what we're pushing. He's oh, he loves it. Kids are going to love this. And, of course, it tanked, but whatever. Dude, my isn't name it is, weird when you hear those stories? Yeah. Like my name is close. attached to a ton of turds, so that's <laughs> that's my legacy in the gaming industry. Um. At least you have experience at, in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am more sympathetic to... So I see both sides of the curtain, right? Like, I'm a gamer, obviously, but I right. also understand what it goes what goes into these games. Yes. And I understand, like, the man hours, and when I see the outrage of players and the things that they're complaining about or the things that they're demanding... I, I, I have to like not get involved because I want to I want to say things that will you argue want to the other. Them. They yeah. will not so much that just educate <laughs> like let them know yeah. what what you're really asking for and what's really going on, and it bums me out that people are so entitled almost like if 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 you really wanted these games to be I'm gonna soapbox for a second if you really Go wanted these games to be the quality you're really asking for you're not going to have $60 games anymore. It's just not going to happen. You're getting $60 worth of games where people are like, oh, the game's unfinished. It's broken. I shouldn't have to pay for DLC, um, but I want content faster. Uh, microtransactions are the devil. Like, it all has its place. And it, it, I'm not saying across the board it's all good because some companies will manipulate that model to yes. make money off people. However... Games should literally cost hundreds, $100 minimum. For a AAA finished title, you should be looking at at least $100. And a lot of people will say I'm crazy for saying that. But having been on the other side of the curtain, when let's take Game Company X, right? They have 1,000 people working on Title A. Title A comes out. The sales aren't that great. People aren't really digging it. Dang, Company X has to lay off 500 people. Now you're down to half the workforce. But but Title A is a living game, so it has to keep getting worked on. Uh, and then people are like, well, we want more content, but we're not going to pay for microtransactions, and we shouldn't have to pay for more content. Well, how are those 500 people now are going to do the work of 1,000 people for free? Like, that does what other yeah. What other company can you go to and say, hey, I want more, but I'm not going to pay for it, and... I should have it right now. Like, there's no other industry where you demand that, right? Yeah, I, I think ultimately, and you're right, it's about educating people. It's, you know, when we got involved, Phil and I, with PGI, uh, we were totally ignorant to the industry. In fact, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised um, if there's people in there that were super irritated by us, kind of, um, you know, we kind of jammed our foot in the door when the door was closing and said, hey, we want to be in there and right. involved and you know, and, and so I, and we, I know that we had at least slight influence early on to where it might be disruptive to the development 
atmosphere in a in, yeah. a, in a game developer yeah. um, because we had no experience. We didn't know what the fuck. We just knew what we liked as gamers. We knew what we wanted as gamers. But um, so basically, that developed my saying, which I've also learned over the many years of working in the entertainment industry in various forms, um, which is you don't know what you don't know. And and like I used to drive true. people crazy with that. I've said that for 10 years. I've told people that, but it's absolutely true. Until yeah. you jump into something full bore, you have no idea what all the variables are, the outside influences, the business decisions. that Because you can't make a AAA game without you know, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. And so, you know, like if you look at a grand theft auto or, you know, it's, it's insane how much money goes into them. Right. And, you know, and so you have to make decisions based on that money because the money doesn't grow on trees, you know, right. so you got investors and you got to deal with, so like, there's just all these business decisions that go in and no, everybody wants the same thing, which is just the best freaking game. But as a developer, you're constantly having to, it's like obstacles left, right, left, right, all the way until the game releases. There's, yeah, there's lots of stuff. There's lots of stuff. So you have stuff. to compromise and you have to, you, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. And, and also the other thing is that it's a huge risk. You can't, no matter what, no matter what IP you own or franchise you have access to or whatever, uh, there's no guarantee that you put out a game, it's going to be a success. Yeah. Um, so it's a very, it's, you know, I, I, had a similar experience obviously where i had one foot in with a developer and one foot uh in the community and and learned a lot of stuff i was very humbled by like oh man i don't i went and you know fully charged you know for this one thing that i wanted and i kind of got reprimanded by pgi you know like yeah um it's it's there's a there's a pipeline and there's uh the head of you know um whatever it is, the art department or whatever. So you might say, hey, I this this mech should be this or whatever, but you have no idea what you're disrupting by you know requesting that or trying to make it happen or whatever. Right. So yeah, I think you had a similar insight, right? Yeah, so it's it's being in QA, you know, we were like, so what, I, what we like to refer to ourselves as, anybody who plays MMOs will get this and I'll explain it if you don't. We were the healers of the rig. Healers of the what? You of the out. raid of the raid group. Oh, okay. If everything went great, nobody cared about our the job we did. It was all about the tank or the, or the DPS, right? But if everything failed, it's the. But it's all fault. your fault. It's always the oh, healers' yeah. fault. So we were the healers of the raid group, where right we're essentially the last line of defense before your product is out in the wild. Yep. And we would find all these things that were very terrible and just like, dude, this is bad or whatever, and we'd get pushback like, we don't have time to fix that. Like we're locked to a hard date. That's why Rockstar is so successful is because they don't commit to a date until they are satisfied with their product. Yeah, Whereas, they're in a position where they can do that. Correct. Other yeah. game companies are like, this is the date we have to be out by. And it's like, we get done what we get done. And it's unfortunate, but I you know that's how you sometimes companies have to do it that way. And my earlier rant, I wasn't sticking up for anybody specifically. I do feel like all game companies are guilty of being misleading at times. But I think that's because... There's so much competition with other ones. They have to be. However, there has been a few deals that have done people a little bit wrong, and I'm not going to speak on them specifically, but I think we all kind of know what we're talking about, where people were rubbed the wrong way. And that sucks, but it happens. Like, you got to think from the money standpoint, but then you're like, you shouldn't be so greedy, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. I worked for companies where the guys at the top had no clue mm -hmm. what the players were actually wanting. Right. And that's that's bad. Like yeah. th that's pretty bad. So if you can support indie studios 
which I think indie studios are putting out great games right now. Like we live in this awesome time where a small team with a small budget can put out a freaking killer game. Yeah. Like support the hell out of small studios if you can. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. So Sony Online worked there for I was on the auxiliary test team for Free Realms. Then I got put on a team called Skunk Works within the team in the company. We touched everything. Yeah. So we we took overflow from everybody's stuff or the reason why it was called Skunk Works because we secretly tested stuff that wasn't ready to be tested to try to find early early problems. You got to break it. Right. So that we were like the guys going and breaking things and then bugging it and then when the devs would release it to the actual QA their their embedded testing team, we would already have a database of bugs built. So right they on. we they didn't like us very much actually. Yeah, the, I'm the sure. devs the devs didn't like us. Of course. Um programmers hated us even more. But <laughs> then I worked on EverQuest 2. I was part of the embedded kit test team for that game. I did two expansions for that game. Yeah. Uh Destiny of Velius and one other one that I can't remember. Uh, I was I was big into the first EverQuest. I okay. Didn't, I didn't really get into EverQuest too I, much. I tested EQ1 a little bit and though I, I don't ever want to see that game on my screen again like ever. <laughs> it's it, the testing I tools and that the testing tools were yeah. so clunky it made it it made it impossible. I was uh, what were the in-game helpers for that? The I don't ones, even re- did. the ones the GMs or I don't know. Uh, we live we had our own little cloud city or something like that. I was a in-game helper. Nice. That. Um but yeah, um so a lot of QA experience. Um, what yeah. what happened to what basically what happened in your life to where you were doing that and then you exited the industry and okay. now you're okay. you're doing the the submarine stuff. Okay, so I was working. At, I got laid off from SOE. I survived like three layoffs in four years or in two years. Yeah. So that's another reason why I was like, man, I got to either get like a good solid position or that the industry's so volatile, like tough industry it sucks yeah um anybody who's aspiring to get into it good luck if somebody were to ask me hey how can i get into gaming i always go you don't want to i I just i i'm honest i just no i i mean i've been totally open to people that if it weren't piranha games i wouldn't have been doing if if it wasn't mech warrior and BattleTech and in this franchise that i've loved since 1984 there's no fucking way i would work for a game developer yeah um, and then, so I got a job at Tryon Worlds, which had a studio in San Diego. And that's because a couple of my managers from SOE had gone there and she started cherry picking the people she wanted from SOE. And it just so happens all of us became free agents. So she was able to grab a lot of us. Nice. And I worked on a game over there called Defiance. And that was partnered up with a sci-fi show of the same name. And it was billed as this massive multiplayer looter shooter that would tie in with the sci-fi show and like events on the game would influence the show and vice versa, which is complete shit. That's not how it worked. Anything that was done on the show trickled down to the game. The right. game, nothing in the game influenced the show. That was just that was I, like I when, do that was window dressing. That was just window dressing. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> I worked there from 2011 to 2013, and they shut the doors on the San Diego studio. Gotcha. Because Defiance just wasn't doing well. Yeah. So now when they shut the doors on that, were you thinking, I want to stay in this industry? And were you looking for another job? Or I Yeah, I interviewed. I tried to create a position at High Moon Studios. They were hiring a bunch of QA people. 
And I begged the question, well, because by that time over at Tryon, I was the quality assurance, uh, I was the assistant lead on the Defiance team. And then I was the lead on the End of Nations team, which was a short little like MOBA that didn't take off. Gotcha. Um, so I basically create, I, I put practices that I learned into play and created a, a QA workflow on a team. So I had experience managing people and managing workflows. So when I heard that High Moon was hiring a bunch of people to start QA testing like a port over to, I don't know, they were porting a, a Call of Duty game for like either next gen or reverse gen. I can't remember which one. Gotcha. But talking to the talent or the head, the head, the headhunter there, I was like, well, who's going to be the lead? Who's going to direct these people? And she's like, well, we don't really have that position filled out. And I go, well, I'll, I'll come over there and do that for this much money, you know, because I've been doing that already. Like, I don't want to be a tester. I don't want to go backwards. And she's like, oh, well, I'll, I'll inquire about it and I'll get back to you. And she got back to me and was like, oh, yeah, they're not hiring for that. They're just hiring a bunch of testers. And then I heard like two or three months later that one of my friends that I worked with at Tryon got hired as a QA lead over there. So I don't Oof. know. Whatever. Um, I interviewed at Rockstar. Yeah. And I was very interested in working for them, but I wanted to not be stuck in QA because I'd been burned twice already. Right. And I told them as much, and they were just looking for a, a career QA person that had no aspirations to move up or sideways. So wow. they, pa- they pa- And I found that out from a friend that worked there. They said, yeah, once you mentioned you were interested in going into the audio department, they, they pretty much um, wrote you off. Who would want a career in just QA? Like, I mean, they, I, I Rockstar wants to hold people in places. They don't. They don't uh, lift yeah, people up from within, huh? It's not the Magic Kingdom. Everybody thinks it is. Yeah, I mean, it is if you're at the top, but sure. Well, so so basically, uh, it just became too much. Yeah, I was just like, I'm done. I don't want to keep trying to find a job every two years. So, right. so I, I work did. for military contracting where I have to look for a job every five years potentially. <laughs> But you now, how long have you been with this company? I've been with this company since 2017. Okay. But I've been at the base since 2014. I worked for a, a different company gotcha. before. Cool. Well, I, I wish you luck, uh, continued success in your career. And, Thank you, man. And uh, very jealous that you get to play the world's best submarine simulator i remember playing some submarine games like what was it something wolf silent hunter maybe silent hunter i remember that there was something wolf with in it um but yeah i haven't played a good uh, submarine game in a long time there hasn't really been a good one yeah as far as i can remember there was one on steam that was there for a minute i think it was you u-boat or something Mm. like that that was that looked really interesting it was world war ii era right um yeah u-boat i think it's called and you like you can zoom in and get like this cutaway and you're like you're like directing the guys in the boat to like fix stuff and it looked pretty neat <laughs> right on. So, yeah now um you do have to stream tonight and you do have to get to dinner so i thought we'd uh cover one more topic for for this time we'll have you okay. back again okay. um which is i guess i want to say star wars but maybe we could do like sci-fi in general um, you mentioned earlier that you're a little bit of a Star Wars fan. I a would little. say you're an absolute fanatic, <laughs> Pro- um, probably. And, and and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm yeah. a you know I'm a huge Star Wars fan as well. I sure. saw it in the theaters in seventy. I know it came out in seventy seven, but I feel like it wasn't till seventy eight that I saw it in the theater. Okay. Um, 
you know, and it was uh, back then. Obviously, nobody knew what the hell Star Wars was. Yep. It was total word of mouth. I remember everybody was all of a sudden talking about it. I started cutting out the clippings from the newspaper, all the different uh, advertisements for it because it looked so cool. And I remember saving all those. We went and saw it in the theater and, you know, it was a huge line wrapped all the way around the block. Um, and, you know, and it changed my life. Star Wars changed my life. I absolutely fell in love with the franchise, collected all the figures and toys, um, everything that I could and was absolutely addicted to episode four, five and six. Um, let down big time by uh, one, two and three. Um, which I've learned to reappreciate now that I have a daughter. Yeah. Um, and and similarly wasn't as into seven, eight, and nine, especially nine. Um, but again, I've learned to appreciate it because I'm watching it through the eyes of my daughter, who's totally, um, you know, just within the last month or so, has become addicted to Star Wars. Um, so tell me your feelings about Star Wars. I, um, would you would you agree that you're a fanatic? I mean, fan comes from fanatic. So yeah, I mean, I Is there anything is there any franchise or anything like that that you are more into than Star Wars? No, I don't think so. Yeah. So, when the movie comes out, for example, episode 9 that just recently yeah. came out, you yeah. saw it 3 times in the theater, right? In 3 times in as many days, yes. Okay, dude, you're a fanatic. <laughs> well, there was reasons for that. So the first time well, we course. saw it was because that was opening, you know, early release so i'm gonna see it that day obviously did you dress up i did not okay um okay i don't i don't do that you that don't much. um okay. <laughs> wait 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 what i that i mean much? like like halloween i was a jedi this Halloween. okay cool um are you part of that stormtrooper uh no no okay uh -uh, no okay what are they called again? uh the 501st knew the name just saying yeah well yeah i mean <laughs> of course I anyway, that's easy uh yeah i mean comic-con every year is here so I right 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 um uh, we went because we had opening night tickets and we had friends in from out of town. Gotcha. And we, you know, we they're they're fans also, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna be there that night. Let's all go together." Like, Perfect. So we went Thursday night, and then my f good friends who we often go see all the Marvel movies with and their kids, because then they go after the the movie's over, they want explanations on stuff. So because I'm also <laughs> sort of a comic book guy, like I'll explain. Yeah. what I know based on old comic books, but there's a lot of new stuff going on. But so we go see Marvel movies with them and their kids. And they're like, Hey, if we buy you tickets to star Wars, can you come tonight? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to say no. So we went again. Right. And then we found out that my girlfriend's cousin was in town Saturday and he's like, I want to see the new star Wars. You guys want to go? Okay, <laughs> we'll go. So we, that's the reason why we went three times. So did it get better every time? It got easier to watch. Okay. Uh, it's not my favorite, but I don't hate it. The yeah. newest, newest one. Yep. I understand why people are completely outraged, but I don't. I wouldn't say that I agree with them. Right? I get. Sure. I get it, and I don't think anybody's real off base. But there's, yeah, there's some stuff in there. Where I was just like, Ugh, I guess you know, like there's some high, there's some high points, but yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I think after the outrage that came with episode seven. Um, I learned to basically just be okay with not like, like I've told you before episode four, five and six, I feel like were my star Wars. That was yep, my, sure. I was the right age. Um, and the movies just did it for me. And so where I'm at now, I'm just, I'm able to watch them and enjoy them with my daughter and my family or whatever. And 
but I, I don't feel the same outrage. I just don't, you know, it's, it's just a freaking movie. Um, and can't, there's no formula, you know, you can't just, uh, just because you have the rights to make a star Wars movie doesn't automatically mean that the movie's going to be amazing. There are humans writing it and making it. Um, I understand all the, the, the issues people had, whether it's like pushing an agenda or, um, you know, maybe Kathleen Kennedy and people have issues with her focus and what she's trying to do or whatever. Yeah. But I've kind of just let it go basically. Same. Same. Yeah. And I can, and I, and it's cool because there were surprises. Rogue One, man. I freaking loved that movie, you know, like, um, so I think there's still good things to come and there'll be some stuff that's just like, meh, you know, wasn't the worst thing, wasn't the best thing. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. So, was, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, it wasn't wasn't completely terrible in my opinion, but it wasn't that, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, ooh, that, you what, have to see this. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't robot jocks, but it wasn't uh, hey, Empire. Hey, 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 hold on a second. <laughs> I love that movie. You, you got to understand. How dare I, you? When I saw robot, robot jocks in the theater. Same I, here. I, I did was, too. I was absolutely just smitten and you know neck deep in BattleTech. Yeah. So I I wanted a BattleTech movie. Yeah. And why I had those expectations, <laughs> I have no idea. They, they didn't say, "Hey, this is a BattleTech movie." No, no. So I went to it wanting that and it was just too campy and and whatever. Now I appreciate it these many it's years. It's so later. good. It's like so terrible. It's, it's so, so good. Yes, it's one of those movies. <laughs> I love it. Now, out of all the Star Wars movies, you know, obviously most people most older people say Empire is their favorite. Is that sure. your favorite, or no. what's yours? Okay, I go back cool. and forth between between New Hope and Empire because obviously, like Darth Vader is my favorite character mm-hmm. from the franchise, but New Hope was my introduction, and right. that one holds a lot of um, sentimental, more sentimental value to me, like. Yeah. A lot of the scenes, a lot of the music, because it's the first time I'd seen any of that stuff. Right, right, dude. So, like, I mean, to this day, if I hear Binary Sunset, I will tear up or goosebump or something, just because there's two reasons for that. The movie, but Binary Sunset is what was playing while you're creating your Star Wars Galaxies player. And there's, like, certain music cues in the movies that I... Re- I, I, I move or sorry i equate with moments of star wars galaxy loading screens yeah or when the mood would change on the planet a certain music note would hit and then you hear it in the movie and i'm like dude it's all connect oh it's so great so yeah <laughs> um i love empire strikes back because that's when you're like it all it's all awesome and yeah. to quote quote clerks it ends on such a downer yeah but i think new hope's my favorite because it, it was it was you know the genesis of my star wars fandom it was such an exciting time at the end when they're all celebrating and they're doing, you know, putting the medals on, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it was such a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm the same way. I, I, I love four, five and six, all three of them, man, were just like amazing and changed my life and, um, and definitely gave me an interest for the rest of my life. I can hear my daughter just turned on another episode of Clone Wars. <laughs> she's, awesome. she's, she's going through the Clone Wars. I kept telling her, you got to watch Wars Clone Wars. Got to watch good. Clone Wars. Yep. Now, she's, now she's like, oh my gosh, there's so many of these episodes. Yeah, so yeah, she's excited because yeah. she gets to watch them forever. So I, wa- I watch Clone Wars in kind of an abbreviated format because there are a lot of filler episodes. And, yeah. it's for, and it's for kids. And I had to keep that in mind when I was watching it. It's like, right. these aren't adult themes or stories. Like right. The stuff I want to see happens. But there's all this like little fun 
whimsical episodes in between a lot of that. Um, I think she's really into Anakin. Personally, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <but, yeah. laughs> and then I watched um, Rebels. Yeah, really I, good. I liked Rebels a lot, too. So I got to work my way through Resistance, which is now on. That's a new one, right? Yeah, it's a newer, yeah, like, 3D I, animated looking one. And right. then, um, I mean, obviously, everybody loved Mandalorian for the most part. It was part. great. Um, yeah, not, I look forward perfect, to what's coming. It was great. I, I look forward to what's coming. Okay, so you said uh, Darth Vader's your favorite favorite uh, Darth Vader scene? From what era? Anything. What's your just favorite Darth Vader scene? You know okay, what th- mine is, right? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, yours is, I'm going to guess yours is in Rogue One. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the easy answer. I know it is. And I'm that kind of person. I'm very shallow and very basic, so that's my <laughs> that's easy not answer. What I was, that's not what I was getting <laughs> you, at. But... You're going to get a deeper poll. What is your favorite scene? Uh... I mean, when the father reveal, dude, like the way he is pleading to Luke almost, not demanding, not being scary, but and the Luke's way he's response. standing there talking to him. Not even it, I don't care so much about Luke. It's just the way that Vader's yeah. trying to manipulate him. Like, dude, yeah. we can we can overthrow this dude. He's seen it. You can become powerful. You can join me. We'll be awesome. That's one. But, dude, Jedi Fallen Order, the game that just came out. Right. Haven't played. So I don't want to spoil it for you, but one I will of, play it, dude. There's a scene in there where I was just like, <laughs> "Oh my god, this is." So wait, made. when does that take place? As far as the timeline, at uh, five years after Episode Three, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. So three and I'm four. Typing. Interesting. Hold on, I'm typing. Sorry yeah, yeah. about that. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, my so the 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 father reveal. I still remember the shock in the yeah. theater dude like i feel like today if somebody hasn't seen star wars they already know that because it's just luke i am your father you know everybody knows that right. or i'm your uh, that's not even the i know you quoted exact, it wrong i wasn't yeah. gonna call you out on it but you it's like everybody quotes um uh you know han solo going uh, don't get cocky kid and that's not what he says right um but you know the, the quotes evolve it's like the telephone game but anyway sure. everybody knows it because people say that all the time the reveal in the theater man it was like Shock, huh? Insane yeah. shock. Like, no freaking way. Yeah. Yeah, that was big. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so I, don't have, I didn't see it in theaters, so I didn't get to see that, but... Yeah, I remember just, like, uh, being beside myself. Now, um, so five... So it is in between episode three and four, the, the video game is? I Fallen bl- Order? Yeah, yeah. It's like... Because it's after Order 66 happens. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's loosely between... Those two movies. I don't remember exactly what year or what timeline. So there's a Vader scene in there that I've got to see, basically. Dude. Oh, I mean, it's in my VODs if you want to see it. It's Okay, I will. I'll look that up. Oh. Now, um, yeah, my easy answer was Rogue One. I think that was the way Darth Vader was always meant to be, which was terrifying. Yeah, now, super terrifying. Yes, that super was a great terrifying, scene. Yes, right? yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I will agree that scene's awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Um. All right, man. Well, I've kept you for uh, longer than we were originally planning. You got a, a stream tonight, so all good. Uh, good luck with your stream. Thank Enjoy you. some food. Thank you so much for being here, dude. Dude, thanks um, for having me. Really. I feel like we got to do it again. So I'm we, I'm down. Anytime you want, you let me know. We will, and um, and of course, I will see you in space in uh, Elite. Yeah, yeah. And, and make sure every all of you out there, if uh, if Joe's 
piqued your interest at all in any of these things. He's a super cool dude. Uh, you're going to enjoy his stream. So go. I'm okay. I'm all right. No, no, no. I'll, I'll toot your horn, man. Uh, <laughs> your your trombone. Hey, yeah, toot my trombone. <laughs> um, check him out. Twitch.tv forward slash Apostle underscore OFC. Um, just go check him out. Super good guy. Thank you for being here, Joe. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks, man. You too. And Hopefully see we'll you see you on the stream, right? Absolutely. All right, buddy. Cheers, dude. Cheers. This podcast is supported by you, the viewer. Please consider supporting us in the following ways. You can subscribe to our Twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash NGNGTV. You can become a podcast patron at patreon.com forward slash no guts, no galaxy. You can shop on Amazon using our affiliate link, which you can find at our website at nogutsnogalaxy.net. And you can shop our new merch store featuring our new NGNG logo at nogutsnogalaxystore.com. This was your local No Guts, No Galaxy Mech Warrior podcast. Signing off for tonight, this is Darren. And until next time, Mech Warriors. It'd be best if you avoid me. But I know you probably can't. You sense something is wrong with me. You can feel it on my skin. But there is more with it. Just a little off The truth is at one time I was But now I'm a robot Forever